now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. It's been a while. We've been taking some time off after the season ended, but we are back on the horse. I am Alex Shane, here as always with Rich Hill. Tons to get to. Free agency is right on the horizon. Been a wild couple of days around the NFL, so a lot to talk about today. But first, before I get to all that, Rich, how you been, man? I feel like I just slept through the entire month of February. I don't know <laughs> what happened. Uh, the NFL Combine apparently went down. The The Patriots had, did a will-they-won't-they they with Josh McDaniels, and they ended up keeping him. And just, just for whatever reason, over the past three days, it seems like there has been a billion different trades that have gone down. Alec, I, this has just been – there was no lead-up to this. They just jumped right into the 2018 season. I am still trying to get my head wrapped around this because there have been some big moves that have taken place. But how have you been? Before we talk about you know the Richard Shermans of the world, how has your February been? I mean, February is the worst month of the year without <laughs> even a shadow of a doubt. Football ends and like baseball hasn't started yet and the NBA hasn't really hit the playoff push yet and March Madness is still a month away and it's just cold and it's dark and it's gray. So sure. if you're going to pick if you're going to pick a month of the year to sleep through, February is the one. So uh, good job. And it's funny, with the, the mention of like what's happened in the NFL in the past like 72 hours, I totally forgot about the McDaniels fiasco until like right now. That's how <laughs> kind of weird it's been. It's, it's this brief offseason so far. But you know what? I guess that's kind of part of taking some time off between the NFL season starting and one ending. It's just kind of you got to erase the – the whole season, you press the reset button, and when March comes around, back on it and ready after it. Yeah, seriously, and, and let's just go right into it at this point in time. There have been yeah. a flurry of trades that have taken place. Michael Bennett was sent from the Seattle Seahawks to the Philadelphia Eagles, and apparently the New England Patriots were interested and willing to send a third-round pick for him. Aqib Tlaib went from Denver to the Rams. Richard Sherman went from the Seattle Seahawks to the San Francisco 49ers. I'm sure there are a billion other moves of note that I have forgotten. What is the biggest trade or move or transaction that has taken place that you know just really stunned you and just left your jaw on the floor honestly for me it's none of those i'd love to talk about richard sherman because i know a lot of patriots fans were hoping he'd come to new england for a stefan gilmore richard sherman tandem in in the, the secondary but my biggest surprise move so far is tyrod taylor to the cleveland browns for a third round pick the Cleveland Browns are picking first overall, so a third-round pick, that's like the basically a second-rounder for Tyrod Taylor, which leaves the Buffalo Bills more or less with Nathan Peterman. I think is their only quarterback on the roster yep. right now, um, which is uh, a mind-boggling thing to go from a playoff team to losing your quarterback. But that's not like a huge shocker given the fact that he was benched against the Chargers. But the fact that the Cleveland Browns, A, paid a third-round pick for Tyrod Taylor, and now the Bills go from a playoff team to no quarterback, that blew my mind. And then, to make the AFC East even more interesting – the Browns went and got Jarvis Landry as well, one yep. of the best uh, receivers in the AFC East, the guy who gave the Patriots fits twice a year. He's now gone. So now it looks like, once again, as of this conversation at least, a lot of offseason to go still, obviously, but the Patriots are just got better over the past couple of days, courtesy of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, seriously, and the Dolphins and the Bills and the Jets are still going to be the Jets, but the Bills and Dolphins definitely took a step backwards uh, at 
the you know the year hasn't even started. They got rid of two of their better players. I know that Buffalo added Chris Ivory in the backfield, but he was a total bust with Jacksonville. And so they don't have a quarterback right now. No idea what they're going to do. They are under you know, a new head coach. Maybe they want someone in the pocket. Who knows? They're, they have uh, the world as their oyster right now. They, they pick, I believe, 21st and 22nd in the draft. They have the option to trade up, which is something that they should do. If, if I were the Bills, they have enough draft capital that they could theoretically get into the top 10, get whichever quarterback they wanted. They're probably not going to be in position to get the Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen type of guy, but maybe they can get that Baker Mayfield. Who knows? We'll find out. But the Bills decided that, you know what? We're ending the Tyrod experiment. The Dolphins said we would prefer to have Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker instead of Jarvis Landry, which to me is a very interesting decision because Jarvis Landry, as you said, He's been their best receiver. Let's be honest here. Uh, Kenny Stills is a boom-bust player. He can get breakout for an 80-yard catch every now and then, but he's not going to move the chains on a consistent basis. And then Devontae Parker, he's been up and down his entire career with injuries. So Landry has been that engine of that offense. He's been one of the most productive players over the start of his career. And the Dolphins said, all right, sayonara. So... The Patriots are in great position right now. They haven't made too many moves so far, but they seem to have distanced themselves from the rest of the division. They have. But again, it's too it's not fair for us to kind of make the conversation in March. This is just the beginning of it. Free agency officially hasn't even started yet. I feel like we're at even the point where this should be a conversation, but somehow there's all this legal tampering going on and players and teams are just making moves left and right. Uh, we are talking about the Patriots, though. This is a Patriots podcast, so we'd be remiss if we didn't open this in in earnest by talking about another move the Cleveland Browns made. Danny Shelton is now a Patriot. The Patriots sent their 2019 third rounder, I believe, for Shelton and this year's fifth rounder from Cleveland. Uh, Shelton's an interesting prospect. I don't know how much you know about him. He's a big dude. He's about 345 pounds. He was the number 12 overall pick in 2015, which is the same year the Patriots drafted Malcolm Brown. That basically gives Brown and Shelton the inside track on the interior of the line. Alan Branch is more or less gone at this point. We can talk about Pat's ratings in a bit. But Danny Shelton's the only guy the Patriots have signed so far in this offseason. Any initial thoughts on this on this trade, Rich, or this move? I think it's a great move, to be quite honest. You see the Patriots' defensive front seven was not striking fear into the hearts of anyone at any point last year. And part of that was, as you said, the decline and disappearance of Allen Branch. He was expected to be that centerpiece of the New England defensive front seven. He was the best defensive tackle on the roster in 2015 and 2016, and he just ghosted 2017. And Malcolm Brown definitely emerged as a quality run stuffer, but he hasn't been that pass rushers type of player that maybe some of them had hoped for, but New England doesn't really ask their defensive tackles to do. So the Patriots spent most of the 2017 season with Malcolm Brown and Lawrence Guy on their interior. That's a very good duo. They're very, very solid. They are good, but you need to have a third guy to be a part of that rotation. Adam Butler was too undersized to do that because they liked moving him inside and outside. So without Allen Branch, Uh, And with Ricky Jean-Francois not coming back, Danny Shelton is a huge improvement over Ricky Jean-Francois. And I love the move. It's not too expensive uh, of a trade for the Patriots because when you think of it, they're sending a pick that is projected to be at the end of the third round next year. And according to the draft value chart, that is the equivalent of a pick at the end of the third uh, end of the fourth round this year. And they're getting back a pick at the top of the fifth round. And so, At the end of the day, they're trading down, according to the draft value chart, maybe like 
five or six picks to get this guy. And so it reminds me a lot of what the Patriots did when they acquired Coney Ely at the start of last offseason. And they're not giving up too much to get a player of some good quality. And Danny Shelton has been a more productive and consistent player in the NFL than Coney Ely ever was with the Carolina Panthers. You know, Ely had a great Super Bowl, but he hadn't really done too much otherwise. Whereas uh, Shelton has been a very strong two-down player for the Cleveland Browns in their 4-3 defense. But he's kind of been playing out of position. He's better suited for what the Patriots have in their bare front, the, their odd front. They need someone in the heart of it. And without Allen Branch playing last year, they asked Malcolm Brown to take on some of that role. But that's moving him out of his position. So Shelton will allow kind of a trickle-down effect with Malcolm Brown and Lawrence Guy to be better in, in better position to play to their strengths. I really like it. Patriots didn't give up too much value for it. The Cleveland Browns on their end, they weren't expecting to retain Danny Shelton, and so they effectively got their compensatory pick a year early. So it's it's a win-win trade. I like what the Patriots have added on their defensive front seven, and by no means do I think they're done. But will he be that Allen Branch type of player? Will he be that Vince Wilfork kind of player? We're going to have to wait and find out. Yeah, I mean, this is a classic Bill Belichick move, right? It's not a huge move. It's not a thing that's going to cause a lot of noise around the NFL, especially with Richard Sherman going to San Francisco, now playing the Seahawks twice a year. we got Tyron Taylor moving, Kirk Cousins watched in full effect. No one's really talking about Danny Shelton. This is a vintage Bill Belichick move. High value for a good upside, not too much downside. He may work like Coney Ealy and not even make the roster toward the end of the year, but they didn't give up that much to get him. And for a team that plays a lot of base 4-2-5, which they do, uh, that would allow a six-man front to defend eight gaps. And that's the kind of playing where a guy like uh, Danny Shelton, who's about 340, 350 pounds, would, would really kind of do well. Again, this is not a, is a, a beginning of an offseason that maybe we can have another unsexy offseason. Rich, do you see that happening? I, I feel like based on what's happened so far this year, the Patriots are already well on their way to doing exactly what they do, which is let the madness happen, <laughs> let the – let, let the big signings get their day in the sun. Let the Cleveland Browns win the offseason for the 10th consecutive year. And then once free agency kind of settles a bit, once everyone stops with all the madness, they step up to the negotiating table and get the guys they need for as little as they possibly can spend on them. Yeah, well, the Patriots had their big sexy offseason last year when they added Stephon Gilmore. They retained Dante Hightower. They were trading for players left and right. They stayed in the headlines. And it extended into the start of the, the regular season where they traded Jacoby Brissett and added Philip Dorsett. They, you know, they just made a lot of moves that really bolstered their roster. And it's kind of trickled into this year, right? And so some of the players that they added last year are still around. They're still going to contribute. And maybe they don't have to make those splash types of moves. They don't have as much flexibility, maybe, at this point as they had last year. And they're not coming off of a Super Bowl victory, but they're still in very strong shape when you look at the overall composition of this roster. And so, Alec, my question to you right now is, what are the biggest weaknesses that you see on this Patriots roster? And do you expect any of them to be addressed during the free agency period? That's a good question, Rich. You know, I think if I were to say that question right now based on the roster as it is uh, i'd have to first see who they're going to keep and who they're going to leave because if nate solder is one of the bigger questions i think we should have a conversation to have about because if he is no longer going to be a patriot in 2018 uh left tackle becomes a very big issue the page need to address uh if he is a a patriot in 2018 i think that the front seven is still an area they need to talk about edge defender 
I'm still not a huge fan of the rotation of, of edge defenders. Dante Hightower, his um, durability is a question. It's maybe more linebacker depth. I still don't think a Landon Roberts is the answer at linebacker. So maybe some depth for, for Dante Hightower's uh, self-spelling him out a little bit in case he gets injured. But, uh, again, it really depends on there's a decent amount of Patriots who are going to be free agents in a couple of days. And how and who they decide to keep is probably the question we should talk about first because that will really dictate where they focus their efforts elsewhere after they pertain or let go of their own guys. No, that's a really good point. So let's just jump right into it. Let's play uh, will they stay or will they go with all of the Patriots' current free agents. We can ditch the Allen branch. We know he's not coming back. We already got a message from Ricky Jean-Francois in his PR agency that he says he is not coming back. The Patriots have addressed some of their positions. They extended Brandon King. They extended Brandon Bolden. So they've already started to make some moves on the special teams front. And with that in mind, let's jump right into special teams you got Matthew Slater and Nate Ebner, both free agents. We can throw in Johnson Batamosi. So out of those three players, who is staying, who's going? I think Batamosi is gone. I can't imagine a world where Matthew Slater is not a New England Patriot. I don't think he's going to – he wants to play anywhere else. I don't think Belichick wants him going anywhere else. He will stay. Nate Ebner, that's a really good question. He's a core special teamer. He's one of the better special teamers in the league. He's coming off, I think, ACL surgery. Yep. I'm not sure what his value is going to be outside of New England based on that injury. I think he'll stay. Uh, if he gets, if he goes, I won't be overly surprised, but I think he's the kind of guy that values the Patriots. He values the system, and he appreciates being given a chance as a rugby player with very little football experience. Bill Belichick gave him, so he may take a hometown discount. So I say Slater and Ebner are Patriots next year. Batamosi is on his way out the door. Uh, I'm in full agreement with that. I think Batamosi wants to go to a team that will give him more opportunity to potentially play on defense. I thought he did a good job when he played on defense with the Patriots. But he didn't play well enough in the minds of the coaches to hold down that position for the deep stretch once X Rowe returned from injury. So I think Batamosi is gone. I agree with you. I would expect Matthew Slater and Nate Ebner to stick around, probably on two-year extensions, similar to what Brandon King had. Matthew Slater should be one of the top five highest-paid special teams players in the NFL. I would not be surprised if his was linked to the games available because he was battling injuries. So... Slater should be back. Ebner will probably come back at a lower level, lower price level, but he should be back too. Belichick loves him. They love his versatility, what he brings to the team. They really liked him as that personal punt protector. And with Jordan Richards, who knows what his future is with the Patriots. It's very, very important to have Nate Ebner around because of what he does on special teams, how many different roles he holds down, and how many players that they needed to replace him once he was done with an injury. So, yes, both Ebner and Slater are back. In my mind, Batamosi should be gone. Moving on to the offensive side of the ball, let's stick with the offensive tackle position. The Patriots have three of the top offensive tackle free agents in the entire NFL. I've written about this at a few points, is that there aren't too many strong offensive tackles that are hitting the market, right? So you got Nate Solder, who is the top offensive tackle in free agency. And that's why I think he's considered a blue chip player. Maybe he's not a top five, top 10 offensive tackle, but he is absolutely the best one available. So that could definitely drive up the price if a team is interested in bidding up for that. That's definitely something that has to be of note. But then you add in Adrian Waddle and Cameron Fleming. Those three, in my mind, are three of the top five offensive tackles in free agency. You know, and which of those three do you think will stay? Which ones do you think will go? 
And that's really the million dollar question, isn't it? I think Nate Solder is the most important one, obviously, among those three. And he's the one that will command the most value and the most interest on the open market. I just personally don't know how many people are going to be ringing the phone for Laser Wilder or Cam Fleming. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's going to be a huge market for them. I don't see the Patriots shelling out a, a cent more than what they think they're worth. This could be a, hey, we'll have to have you back. Here's what we're offering you. If you don't like it, that's fine. Best of luck to you. Go on with your with your career. Uh, those guys have been great fill-ins, but they are not marquee guys that you want anchoring your line for any extended period of time. I feel like Nate Solder might be in that camp a little bit. I don't think they're going to break the bank for him. He'll probably garner upwards of 12, maybe 10 to 10 to $14 million for an annual salary for a left tackle, which is a lot of money to spend on a guy who was good and kind of lousy. He was inconsistent. He's the kind of guy that once he's going, he's great, but he's been a liability at times. Uh, and, and if I had to, you know, gun to my head right now. Will he be patient next year? I'm going to go ahead and say no, honestly. Wow. I think no. Yeah, I think he's not going to be back. I think the Patriots will try and retain him, but they're not going to kind of deviate from their formula, and they are going to uh, get outbid by a team with maybe a, a bigger need of the position. Wow, that's a very, very uh, – that's a bold claim. And, yes, it is. You know, I, I, I can't even say I'm too far away from that one either. I was always intrigued and surprised with the structure that the Patriots had with – Nate Solder's last contract. They gave him a two-year extension off of his five-year rookie deal. They gave him a two-year extension that was, I want to say, 99% guaranteed. They It was roughly like 10.5 per year, 10.5 million, but all of it was guaranteed. They didn't sign him around for the long term. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I could see them following a similar structure. I don't know how much longer Nate Solder wants to play. I know that he's been battling so many difficult and challenging you know parts of his life off the field so i wouldn't begrudge him anything if he just decided you know what i'm gonna hang up the cleats this has been a lot i've made enough money here i'm just going to enjoy time with my family that would be a completely admirable move on his part i would not also be surprised either if the patriots said let's do a similar deal let's give you two year 24 million all of it guaranteed that's going to kind of underprice you, but it'll be entirely guaranteed. It'll keep you around till I want to say he's 31 years old. You can decide whether or not you want to retire. Having it fully guaranteed is a nice little touch. So who knows? But I, again, with you, what you're saying, Nate Solar could get that anywhere. You know, he, he could get that 24 million guaranteed at most places because he is that top offensive tackle free agent. I do expect the Patriots to find a way to retain him. And I will make the bold thing. I think that the Patriots will find a way to retain Cameron Fleming as well. They really like how he has developed over the years. He's filled in admirably at both of the swing tackle positions. And with Antonio Garcia coming back, he lost 40 pounds due to blood clots. Uh, the Patriots don't have a lot at the offensive tackle position, and you added Marcus Cannon coming back from injury. So I think Cameron Fleming will be back. I expect Nate Solders to be back. Adrian Waddle should go somewhere else with the opportunity to get a starting job, I potentially think that the the New York Jets would make a lot of sense for him. No, that makes sense. And again, the good thing about those guys, Cam Waddle, Adrian, Adrian uh, Cam Waddle, Cameron Fleming, <laughs> Adrian Waddle, those are the kind of guys, you know, you, you find journeymen, you find backups, you let Skarnacki or groom them, and you can probably replace them if they if you have to via the open market without breaking the bank too much. But definitely left tackle Nate Solder is one of the big positions to watch this coming free agency. Another big position to watch, and actually one I want to talk to you about, kind of curious, uh, I have an opinion on it, but love to get your opinion. Danny Amendola, free Ooh. agent coming up. What do, you, what, do you think, what do you think happens to him? So I was in the camp that if Danny Amendola 
were to go anywhere, it would be to join Josh McDaniels with the Indianapolis Colts because McDaniels has been his biggest advocate over the years, and it would have made sense. He would have had more guaranteed time in the lineup. We don't know how much he'll play for the Patriots with Julian Edelman potentially coming back from his injury. So what type of role do the Patriots have in mind for Amendola in 2018? He was exceptional down the stretch for the Patriots. He really stepped up in the slot. He was the player that the Patriots had hoped for every single year that just never seemed to click. But is he going to do that again next year? They have Brandon Cooks out there. Julian Edelman should return. And in my mind, Edelman should step in over Amendola. What are they going to do with Chris Hogan? Got Malcolm Mitchell out there vying for time. Kenny Britt is going to come back. Patriots picked up his option. So there are a lot of players on that depth chart. Maybe Amendola would want to go somewhere else for more playing time. I expect him to come back. I expect the Patriots to retain Danny Amendola with an incentive-heavy contract that would give him an opportunity to make up to whatever he would get on the market if he's able to produce in New England. I think he wants to stay with Tom Brady and Julian Edelman and Josh McDaniels, and he could get, you know, let's say like a $4 million base. I think that's like not out of the question. 3 to $4 million as a base with the op- opportunity to get an additional 1 to $2 million based off of how many catches or yards he's able to produce. And I would expect the Patriots to envision his role in the offense to be greater in 2018 than it has been over the past few years when he was kind of relegated to the sideline. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, my only concern with Amendola is he's 32, so he's more or less on the tail end of his career as a receiver. He's got his Super Bowl rings. He's got two of them with the Patriots. I can see a scenario possibly where he wants one more big payday before he retires and he gets that somewhere else. But one thing I love about Amendola is he takes an attitude that I wish more receivers would take and realize is that contracts and money is great, but if you don't have a good quarterback throwing you the ball, your value as a receiver really drops significantly and he knows Tom Brady he knows the chemistry they have and he knows being catching catching passes from Tom Brady helps his value far more than it hurts it so unless he wants to kind of say screw this I don't care about winning anymore I'll just go to the place pays me the most money I'll get 30 catches and retire in a couple years that's a possibility but I think Amendola sticks around because he likes McDaniels he likes Brady he likes the Patriots and he fits really well in that system and it'll be an interesting wide receiver competition once training camp starts in a couple months it'll be a lot of fun to watch uh, speaking of a lot of fun to watch, one guy we all really loved watching over the past couple of years, another big name we should talk about, running back, Deion Lewis. Uh, we can throw Rex Burkett in here as well. Burkett's also a free agent, but Lewis is probably the bigger question mark. What do you think happening to those two guys? Burkett and Lewis, say are they going to go? Yeah, so this is a tough one. This is a very, very tough one because I know that the Patriots love Deion Lewis. They would really, really be very happy if he were to sign for the long term, if he were to sign a contract similar to what James White signed with the Patriots, you know, a a three- or four-year deal with a lot of incentives, where James White had playing time incentives. If he played 50% of the snaps, if he played 60% of the snaps, he would get an additional million dollars. If he broke 1,000 yards from scrimmage or 1,200 yards from scrimmage, he would get, like, another million dollars. So that is what the Patriots have in mind with the running back position. They will play it by whoever has the hot hand. And they could theoretically earn up to whatever those top-tier running backs are making. And so I wouldn't be shocked if they gave that James White contract word for word to Deion Lewis. 
I just think that there will be teams out there that will be very, very interested in signing him, that will be willing to give him more money than the Patriots are, that will be willing to give him more guaranteed money than the Patriots are, with a role in a roster with more guaranteed playing time than the Patriots have to offer. Because you have James White that Bill Belichick just raves about for his third down ability. The Patriots like what he brings in the no huddle. And, I mean, Deion Lewis had to fight and claw his way for playing time in the second half of the season. The Patriots seemed very, very dedicated to giving as much time to Mike Gillisey and Rex Burkhead over Deion Lewis, which, in retrospect, is kind of just jaw-droppingly surprising. But a team like, let's say, the San Francisco 49ers, they have a lot of cap space that they are willing to burn. They have a great quarterback in a... Johnny Garippola, I don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> they have a brilliant head coach in Kyle Shanahan. They are very much investing in a potential winning offense. They're adding players on there. I know that they re- they re-signed or just extended Marquise Goodwin to a solid contract that is far above and beyond what he might have been able to attain on the open market. So the running back market is not thriving. In the NFL, it is not something that he would go out there and get a $10, $15 million contract per year. But I could see the San Francisco 49ers or a team like the Indianapolis Colts coming out there and saying, hey, uh, we're going to give you whatever the Patriots say you could potentially make, and we'll give you a little bit more. So it's a matter of whether Deion Lewis will take less money to stay with New England or if he'll sign somewhere to get more guaranteed money, more guaranteed playing time. I expect that to happen. I expect Deion Lewis to be the starting running back for the San Francisco 49ers in 2018. Maybe not San Francisco, but I don't think it'll be New England either. I hate to say that. It's heartbreaking because Lewis has been an absolute blast to watch and cheer for these past couple of seasons. But, I mean, the Pages don't pay running backs. They just don't. Yep. They draft a guy every three or four years. They'll probably draft a guy in the third or fourth round this year. And James White will be the guy and Rex Burkhead. Will, I think Rex Burkhead will be back uh, at a team at a team friendly deal. Mike Gillisley, I think, is still under contract. Will they keep him? I don't know. I think so. Probably. He's very low, low cap hit. They have enough guys back there. And I think Deion Lewis will get enough money elsewhere where he'll want to go and and. Best of luck to him, but the Patriots don't pay running backs, and I can't really knock the strategy because running backs, as we've seen all across the league, are more or less replaceable, unfortunately. And while I will really miss Deion Lewis and always enjoy the highlight reel jukes and whatnot he's given the team, uh, I think he's played his last down in New England. Oh, absolutely, and and Rex Burkhead should be able to pick up some of the slack. I know that he battled injuries last year, but so has Deion Lewis over the years, and that is probably one of the big reasons why New England wouldn't be willing to shell out top dollar for. Deion Lewis is because of his injury history and other teams have more cap flexibility to give that money and not worry too much about it. So Rex Burkhead in my mind should stay. Deion Lewis is probably a go. And just as you said, I would expect the Patriots to pick up a running back and, you know, the day three or so, you know, rounds four or five, just to add another body, see what they can provide. Maybe it'll just be a, a grinder between the tackles, but they'll have some options. And there's some guys in free agency. We'll talk about them at the end of the podcast because there are some solid running backs that would seem to make a lot of sense with the Patriots. But before we get there, let's go back to the Patriots roster. There are some players on the defensive side as well. Uh, I already said we're not going to talk about Alan Branch or Ricky Jean-Francois, but at the linebacker position, and we'll throw the edge spot in there because you got James Harrison and Marquise Flowers. 
Do you see either of them staying with the Patriots? Uh, Marquise Flowers, yes. I think he's a great fit. He's got a very low cap hit. I don't think he's going to get a whole lot of interest elsewhere. I don't want him kind of anchoring my linebacker core, but I think he's a good spell, a good sub out. He's got special teams value. I think he's back in. James Harrison's a really interesting question. Does he want to play again? Based on his Instagram workout videos, yes, he does want to play again. <laughs> uh, and I think if he wants to play again, the Patriots will take him back. Uh, it, it's really a matter of them sitting down and being like, hey, listen, James, this is where we see you playing as a – 40-year-old linebacker, are you okay with that? And if he says yes, then rock on. But they have to be honest up front. Tell him he's not going to be an every-down guy. He's going to come in on specific pass rushing downs and be kind of more a mentor to the younger guys. If he's okay with that, we'd love to have him back. Um, but he may want to call it a career, and that's fine too. Yeah, I expect Harrison to want to play for another year just because it's a point of pride play at 40 years old. That's a definite statement to make. He wants to finish on a strong note. He did not like what the Steelers did with him where they did not play him whatsoever last year. And he has a distinct role right now with the Patriots, right? You have Trey Flowers, who's the starter. There's no question about that. And then you have a mix of Adam Butler and Dietrich Wise that are splitting time on the edge. James Harrison is better than either of them. I think Harrison provides a lot of good value that, you know, what he, he can rush the quarterback better than any of those players, uh, or I guess I should say better than Wise or Butler. Maybe he's not going to stop the run, but he's perfect for what they need on third down. He could definitely vie for a spot against Eric Lee. Who knows how Derek Rivers will return from his injury. We're not saving a spot for Geno Grissom unless he earns it this year. So Harrison could come back. He'll have to earn a spot on the roster, of course. But I would expect him to have all of the opportunity in the world to be that third guy in the rotation, to be similar to what Chris Long was for the Patriots in 2016. I definitely see that happening. And Marquise Flowers, I agree with you. He should be back. He really fit in with the Patriots' defense. He really appreciates what the coaching staff saw with him. Perhaps he would join Matt Patricia with the Detroit Lions. I would not be surprised to see that happen. But if it's not with the Detroit Lions, I would expect him to want to sign a one or two year deal with the Patriots where he can really prove his value on defense, prove that he's more than just a special teams player and really boost up what he could potentially earn as a free agent in a year or two. And the best place for him to do that would be New England or with Detroit. If he signs with the Detroit, it would be a multi-year deal. So he could do a one-year prove-it deal with New England, try and reestablish his value. I expect him to be back as well. And while Flowers, I think, would be more likely to make the roster than James Harrison, I, I would expect both of them to have a strong chance of doing it. I agree with that. Uh, totally agree with that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, last guy to talk about before we should maybe close out with the available free agents from otherwhere around the league and who might be a, a good fit for New England. Uh, I think I know the answer to this question. I think you do, too. Uh, I'm a little loath to talk about it because I'm I was thinking about a certain play in 2014 and how great it was. But Malcolm Butler, oh, yeah. no way he comes back, right? He's gone, yeah. right? Yeah. No, yeah. Not, not a chance. There's not a chance he's coming back. That just really ended on a sour note. There's no way they yeah. could ever come back from that. There's just done deal. He's going somewhere else. Perhaps will he go to the Jets? Who knows? Will, will he try and get revenge on the Patriots? Who knows? He, I mean, he's, he's earned whatever he's going to get on the free agent market. And, you know, the Patriots got their necessary value out of him. He, he's played in three Super Bowls in four years with New England. He's done everything that he's been asked to do. And he's 
I mean, he, he'll earn every single penny he gets, I, or he has earned whatever he gets on the in the free agent market. I think he's going to be fine wherever he goes. It definitely won't be in New England. And with that in mind, let's see of the other players that are entering free agency this year, who you think will or won't be on the Patriots' radar with what's currently been going on right now. Are there any names that you think would be a good fit for the Patriots? Yes, there are, Rich. Thank you for asking. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there, there are uh, – these are guys I think would be a good fit. I'm not going to say these guys are definitely signed with New England. They're going to be heavy targets. I think they would be a really good fit in New England. Uh, there's two running backs I want to talk about. Uh, Doug Martin was released by the Buccaneers. I think he'd be a fantastic fit in New England. He's one of those short, kind of powerful between the tackles running backs. A little similar to Rex Burkhead. So there might be too much of a similarity there. But I think he'd be a wonderful fit in New England. And Darren Sproles is going to be a free agent. I, I've always wondered that if he'd be a good fit in New England. I think he's a he's older now, but he seems to be a a machine. Good on punt returns. Good on kick returns. I think he'd be a good pet player. Shane Vereen will be available. He probably won't come back, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Shane Vereen come back in uh, on the running back position. Uh, I hate to say this, but Jimmy Graham tight end is going to be available he'll probably get the kind of money that won't be conducive to new england but a jimmy graham rob gronkowski two tight end set is a patriots fans dream come true it's what almost could have been i guess with aaron hernandez and gronkowski i would love to see that happen on the offensive side of the ball a lot of interesting receivers as well uh terrell Pryor. we always talked about him coming to new england would he be a good fit with the belichick system belichick kind of made a play for him back when he was with the browns sammy watkins is going to be a free agent mike wallace is going to be a free agent there are a lot of interesting names. Um, Taylor Gabriel, who isn't a, a horrible player. There's a lot of guys who aren't these kind of blue chip, marquee, big splash, day one signings that could fall through the cracks the first couple days and fit really well into New England. So I'm going to start with those guys. I got Doug Martin. I got Darren Sproles. I got Jimmy Graham is kind of my pipe dream guy. And a couple of those receivers I think would fit really well in that system. At least made the competition in, in July and August interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of the key to this free agency period is that there aren't too many superstars that are available other than the quarterback position, which is just bonkers. You know, the, the, the 49ers extended Jimmy Garoppolo, sure. But you also got Kirk Cousins and Drew Brees out there. And we can throw Case Keenum into the mix, too after his wonderful season with the Minnesota Vikings. But yeah. all of the other positions, there seems to be just a really strong middle class in all of them. Yeah. And so when we're talking about running backs, I mentioned this when I was breaking down whether or not the Patriots would retain Deion Lewis. Here's some other names of definite note. Carlos Hyde, Isaiah Crowell from the Cleveland Browns, uh, Rex Burkhead, you know, uh, DeMarco Murray, Frank Gore, Jeremy Hill, Orleans Darquois, Jonathan Stewart, formerly of the Panthers, uh, Adam Doug Martin, as you said, Brandon Oliver, formerly of the Chargers, Eddie Lacy, who knows what he's going to do. But there, there are just so many players that, you know, if you put them in a rotation, they could be solid. And so would the Patriots be willing to break the bank for Deion Lewis or even Rex Burkhead at this point? Maybe if the, the depth in free agency was not as strong. But for right now, my question for you is, like, would you rather have Deion Lewis at $7 million per year, or would you rather have a guy like Jeremy Hill or LeGarrette Blunt at, like, $3 million per year? That's a fair question. Deion Lewis is undoubtedly a better player than them, and he's clearly more dynamic, and I would prefer to have Jeremy Hill over LeGarrette Blunt. But at that price tag, I would consider taking Jeremy Hill over Deion Lewis if he's coming in at less than half the price. And so there's just so many options out there. 
that we'll just have to wait and see. And that kind of just trickles down to every other position. If the Patriots don't keep Danny Amendola, there's Albert Wilson, formerly of the Chiefs. He's a great slot guy. Another guy, as you mentioned, uh, is Taylor Gabriel. Those are two players that should definitely be on the Patriots' radar at tight end. If they don't get Jimmy Graham, Tyler Eifert, Trey Burton, they could bring back Martellus Bennett. I think that's something that they would really consider is just see how his health is doing and bring him back on a lower contract. They have some options there. Troy Nicholas, formerly of the Cardinals, that's someone that should have been on their radar. There are just so many potential solid players. And this would just play into what we were talking about at the top of this podcast, is that this is probably going to be another unsexy offseason for the Patriots. But these are the offseasons that really differentiate New England from all the other teams because when you come to Week 16 and Week 17 and you've battled for an entire year and you've lost 5 to 10 players to the injured reserves, it's when those top backups step up and how well they're able to play That is what differentiates Super Bowl teams from those that are sitting home. And New England is really going to make their money by taking advantage of the players on the market right now. Absolutely, Rich. And speaking of taking advantage of the players in the market right now, it's not a good way to close out the podcast. We kind of open with the AFC East, how it's kind of in turmoil right now with Landry and Tyrod Taylor departing for the AFC North. There's another player who's technically no longer in the AFC East who was a Another problem for the Patriots. He played for the Jets. He's now been released by the Jets. He got with Muhammad Wilkerson. Mm-hmm. Um, absolute beast. Kind of got his contract and became disgruntled. Didn't show up to meetings. Didn't really buy into the system. They let him go. Is he a prime candidate for a career revival, kind of prove a deal with the Patriots, and a chance to, re- to get some revenge on his old team? Yeah, we'll really have to see about that. I, I would expect some other team to be more willing to pay a lot of money for him. And with the Patriots acquiring Danny Shelton, I'm not quite sure where Muhammad Wilkerson would fit on there. But there are a lot of players at defensive tackle that are available. You had Sheldon Richardson, one of Wilkerson's former teammates with the Jets, spent last year with the Seattle Seahawks. People expect him to say. But you add in Dontari Poe, Starlo Tulele, Daquan Jones, Haloding Ngata. There's so many players out there, even Dominique Easley. I'm going to throw him on the radar as well, right? So yeah. I don't know if the Patriots would take Wilkerson uh, for the defensive interior spot, but They definitely need some help on the edge. Let's say they don't retain James Harrison. They still need to add some players out there. Someone like a Connor Barwin would make a lot of sense. A Pernell McPhee would also be a good fit. Aaron Lynch, formerly of the 49ers, would make some sense as well. Kareem Martin, formerly of the Cardinals. Lamar Houston of the Bears. There are some fits that would make sense for New England that maybe aren't the Julius Peppers-level kind of player. They're not the Ziggy Ansah, Demarcus Lawrence, but these are the the number two, number three guys in the rotation that really are what the Patriots lacked last season when they were relying on a pair of rookies to generate some pass rush. And so New England, my expectation is that if it's not on the edge, it'll be at the linebacker spot. Avery Williamson, Zach Brown, or Preston Brown, Demario Davis, Nigel Bradham, uh, Tahir Whitehead. I would expect New England to address either the edge position or the linebacker spot with the plethora of talent available uh, uh, on the coming days. I'm going to ask you one more question, Rich, and since it's impossible to predict, you really can't get a wrong answer here. Free agency starts on Tuesday. I don't know the exact time. Is it 3 or 4 p.m., whatever it is? Do the Patriots make any moves at all in the first 24 hours of free agency, (laughs) or do they do a classic sit back, let the market dictate itself, and then go after the guys we need? 
uh, are you counting any re-signing of their own players? Because they could sign Nate Ebner to a 20-year deal. That's something that is very much <laughs> in their wheelhouse. Uh, but if we're only looking at players that are off the roster, if they do sign someone, it'll probably be someone that you're not really too interested in at that point in time. You know, they'll sign a fifth-string offensive guard. That that's that would be their total move. <laughs> so I, I would expect them to sign someone, but it will be someone that you just be like, uh, who? I've never heard of that person before. That That is going to be their only signing on the first day. Fair enough. I think that's an accurate description. And again, I'm okay with an unsexy offseason because usually it's the unsexy offseason where they fill positions of need. They don't spend too much money on a single player. Those are the ones where they go deep in the postseason and they actually get a result we want, which is a Super Bowl victory. Obviously, defense was an issue last year. It really bit them in the behind the Super Bowl. Hopefully, that's where they focus their efforts. But as always, in Bill We Trust, whatever moves they make will work out well, and I am very much looking forward to seeing what happens in the next couple weeks. Oh, absolutely. It should be a lot of fun. This is one of my favorite parts of the year because this is where all the hope is. This is the hope for the upcoming season. This is setting the chessboard for how everything's going to play out, and it's just this is just exciting. I, I just love seeing how the Patriots approach this, how they're going to add players to whatever positions they need. They'll enter the draft with no clear needs that are just very very obvious but they'll just have their veterans ready to go if they don't find a rookie that's able to step up this is going to be a lot of fun i don't know if they'll make a stefan gilmore signing or brandon cook's trade but new england should just set the board nicely for patriots fans to enter the 2018 season with a lot of confidence for sure man should be a lot of fun to break it down with you too no absolutely until next time alec you have a good one you too buddy later man I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.